0: Nature Strip drives up on the inside to match Morabi. They're a length and a half September run, Cool and Gatter. Then came Bella Nipotina, and further back in the field, Belaine. It's Nature Strip trying to kick. Cool and Gatter's getting
1: close, and September run back on the inside of the 150. September run drives through, and Cool and Gatter, then Bella Nipotina. Cool and Gatter in the centre lifts. Cool and Gatter in front of Bella Nipotina. I wish I win late. Cool and
0: Gatter. Cool and Gatter for me.
1: Now on PG Podcast Network,
0: it's time for the Year Round Carnival with Vince Ocardi and your host, Racetrack Rolfi. Uh, G'day, welcome to Year Round Carnival. That is easily the worst bit of uh, music and I've got to own that, not Paul Gardner. It's uh, hot in Brisbane and it's cool and cool and there you go. So that was the star of the show, the Lightning Stakes, won by the flying filly of Kieran Ma and David Eustace, ridden by Jamie Carr. Cool and gatter, Vince Carney from Daily Sexuals. Good morning, mate. Good morning, Ralphie. Good morning. <laughs> there it is. Exactly. All right. Yeah. Uh, this was a, a good win, but there's so many other stories about the race as well. Let's start off with how Flemington played to your IVR data.
1: How Flemington played. Yes, Ralphie. Very good. How did Flemington play? Very good, of course. Played sensational. Unbelievable how good it was. Oh, rock-solid G3, all-round, Ralphie. Could I say we were better than that? We were just bang on G3, that's all I can say. We are probably half-length to a length away before we got any faster. It just played superb speed-wise. And in terms of lane bias, when we look at it from that perspective, just sit back and have a look. Ralphie, lane one, all the
0: way to lane 10. I mean, you couldn't get it any better, could you? If you if you're good enough and your t- tactics were right, you won, and if you weren't, bad luck. Yeah, that, there was leaders
1: on paces, midfielders, backmarkers. It really, it's just like, I have to say, wow, unbelievable, because that's not normal pattern. I mean, I'm not saying it's not normal pattern for Flemington, but that's just not normal for racetracks in general, but this was perfection.
0: Absolutely. We took a deep dive into the uh into the Lightning Stakes now preview podcast if you didn't buy it and you'd like to listen to it now you can get it via the same my year listening here we always post everything uh completely unedited both the Friday podcast and the Sunday deep dive. We will be doing Blue Diamond this week. So I'll have a big look at that. It's sand down for the first time. I think on the Lakeside track, I think I'm right in saying that. And uh and it's going to be a fantastic card so you can go Get that via the preview podcast, racetrackrally.com.au which comes with Vince's daily sectionals, race speed profiles. And speaking of the race speed profiles, with Cool and Gadda, you wrote, well, in summary, you said the trials give us the indication she's at benchmark level. First up, last campaign, looks primed to press her career PB once again. She has top three claims. That career PB was plus 2.2 on a slow track. What did you do on, in winning on Saturday?
1: Yes, Ralphie. Well, here you go. We've got the drum roll out. 3.3. Wow. And can you believe it? It actually wasn't the best, be- best of the day. It was the second best of the day. <laughs> Sensational. Yeah. Absolutely just mind-blowing. When I say mind-blowing, last campaign, really, they were all on wet tracks, weren't they, Ralphie? Yeah. And this time, just got that super... Good track and what a performance! If I just compare it to its lifetime start, the very first race start, it's like virtually two lengths up on that or 1.7. But the way this horse has grown in strength, like the the sustained speed this horse can now manage, is absolutely magnificent. It's at least the length to two lengths stronger than you know, it's the first whole campaign. And here we are, we've got a horse that oh, I did drop off a little bit right at the end, but entitled to.
0: Yeah, so most, uh, well, you often say right across the board, most horses don't improve from their two-year-old prep. We often see it with the elite two-year-olds. It's a case of that that they're just more mature than the opposition at the same age, but every now and then one just keeps going, keeps growing, and this is what this horse has done.
1: Yeah, the trials were beautiful leading in. It's it's, oh, Jesus, this stable, they're just too good, Ralphie. <laughs> they are too good. They're too good. I yeah, know they're... they say science starter and all that, but their training capabilities is just fantastic. To pin a race and then have their horses peak,
0: just second to In fact, I haven't seen anyone do this for quite some time. It's are just too good. Absolutely. So this horse has gone to a new level, but she didn't go to the level that surpassed Nature Strip in winning the this race two years ago when he was plus four point four. So that was your mindset on Saturday that you were at the your fork in the road. You thought everything with the trial said he was coming to play it was still an unknown will he return to his best level he exploded when he came off the plane from Royal Ascot but as we often say that on a short break if you explode that that's your level well he went sideways in the Everest and then in the Champions sprint and it was a case of willie he return he didn't return what's your thoughts
1: well overall performance 1.2 the trials he he'd already sort of reached the point seven to a length just off the the trial and jump out, giving you a pretty clear indication he was he was really in a position to go superbly. But then I'm just looking here; it's just yeah, it's a two it's two lengths off last prep in terms of a first up performance. And if I go all the way back to you know the beginning of well, the early 2022. That was two point seven, and really, I couldn't pin the horse anything lower. And he's 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 turned about a length but length and a half behind that, and more importantly, he's just run like to his barrier trial. Now, I know I stated this that the trials still are always a little bit different than the pressure race, and sometimes they don't go on. Yeah, well, this was the case with this horse. Of course, I took the position that let's roll the dice because he's either going to or he's not. But he was – the the horse was done. Like, the horse was done inside the 200. And honestly, Ralphie, initially I thought, before I had any data in front of me, I said, oh, they must have gone quick. That's all I could think of because we know that a horse like Nature Strip, if he has two top, you know, line first and second sections, that can bring him undone. It's the only kryptonite of his amazing career. Yeah, and I just felt that's what's happened. Yep. Because it was – you know, it looked like good – Good speed up front, and it was by the way, it was 0.7 above. That's good. Yep. It's not like through the roof. If I compare him to that time at Flemington, is he running faster than that? Yes, he is, but only about a half length faster, Rolfie. That's the that's the scary part. Only about a half a length compared to early last year, and then in the mid race, of course, I thought because they were going to keep going, and I look at the data and say, okay, yep, he was he was half a length faster in the mid than what he was, but looked like the horse gave up. Yeah. It really did look like the, off that race shape, it looked like it gave up. Now, the minus one last 200 metres, if I just ignore the barrier trials, I would say to myself, okay, it was condition blowout, right? Yep. Two and a half lengths, but not off that pace though. I can't say it off that race shape. It wasn't uh, a race shape. That was crippling. I mean, and Cool and the answer to that, right? Yeah, because when you look at Cool and the last four hundred meters was plus three point eight versus point three above, and the horse just went just as fast. You know, like we you know we're talking. There's not much between them in terms of speed,
0: early speed. So. Your, your your position on Saturday morning was you, you're going to roll the dice, be with it. But it was a case of a fork in the road. If if he was great and ran to his best, he should have been a dollar dollar fifty. And if he wasn't, well, it's probably time to pull up stumps. From your perspective, anyway, you're not telling Chris Waller what to do, but you're saying this isn't a horse that's going to interest you. And at this stage, he needs to prove again to make it make it worth <laughs> being with.
1: Well, that's how it is now. It's just it's one of those situations where you maybe the horse can just improve it and then I can reconsider it. But it's not a horse I can any longer attempt to make money out of. And he's been a fantastic horse. He really has been a fantastic horse. But now the trend line figure clearly says that he'll be chasing his 2.7.
0: Uh, twenty million six hundred thousand he's won. So, if I'm wow. sure if there's any wow. issue, though, that's a that's just such an amazing <laughs> career he's had. So, if they pull up stubs, hail the champ. Um, yep. Darren has asked us, so we always uh, send out an email to our members, our fantastic members who support the fact that we're independent, corporate bookmaker ad free, and uh, we always send them an email on the on the Sunday if they want to participate in the show. Darren's emailed you, Vince. Uh, before the lightning, I had a theory about I wish I wins prep, as I thought the target would be All Star Mile. Commentary on the Moody camp was that he won't be going the All-Star Mile as they thought the prep would be too rushed. They'd test him out in the sprint races. My theory was this was a smokescreen. He'd be heading the All-Star Mile because wouldn't these sprint races be the perfect prep for the All-Star Mile? However, I wasn't expecting to run so well in Lightning and I don't know how the race rated, but it wasn't that long ago we are talking about Cox plate chances. Anyway, I'm not convinced about my theory anymore. <laughs> how good and versatile is this horse? So Vince, uh, we when it was announced he was going to the new market, we did a bonus podcast Uh, For our Group 1 members. And I asked you about his straight line speed. You said it's a bit scary, but it's still an unknown over such a short prep. That was still your point of view on Saturday morning, but you said you couldn't put a ceiling on it. Luke Nolan's got off and said he's got the second best sprint I've ever ridden, and we know who the best is. (laughs) So what's your takeaway with this run?
1: Well, it was funny. I got an email on the weekend, someone asking me, could you confirm if in recent times has a horse gone any quicker than what this horse did over the last 400 metres? And the oh, – or the last 600 metres, my apologies. Last 600 metres. So I went and had a look. I mean, this particular horse I wish I win was 3184. And you know, I, instincts, of course, you go black caviar. So yep. I look up black caviar, 1,000 metres Flemington. And there it is, 3140, right? So <laughs> the, and the reason why I'm saying that, we're yeah. talking about a horse that's two and a half to three lengths behind – a 600-metre acceleration when comparing the two horses. And that gives you an insight. I mean, Black Cavie was a comfortable plus 10 horse. Yep. To give us some perspective. Does that mean that I Wish I Win is heading towards the plus 7 or higher range? And this is what's super exciting. And why shouldn't I say that? I mean, Rose Hill last campaign, 5.4 above. The way this horse accelerated here was unbelievable. Seven point five last four hundred. That's a new PB for the horse Ralph. Fantastic.
0: At a thousand. So well we. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, put it this way. The Ma team certainly have someone to worry about now. When it comes to Moody, about how he's, you know, got his eye right in about getting his horses ready for anything.
0: <laughs> Absolutely right, and uh, and look, we always say when the when the real smart traders do something a little bit different, you're going to take notice. And yep. as uh, as Darren's email said, you know, it was it was unusual to say we're going to try him up the up the straight. But here's another thing, Vince. What's the two biggest races in Australia? The Gold Eagle and the Everest. Well, he's won the Gold Eagle. And now, if he, if now that he's showed he can win the Everest off this,
1: well, the way he trended off that run, <laughs> and you know, I don't know how long it is before he has his next start. Well, it's you, it's, it's, it's the yeah. new
0: market, and it'll be in uh, in three weeks time.
1: You know. Goodness knows what happens if there was another 10 metres in this race. Oof. You wouldn't have wanted to be 1,010
0: like some of those Doombum races. It'd be over. So the, the co-favourites at the moment are In Secret, and I wish I win for that race. So we're, we're, we're going to have a cracking race, but In Secret runs in, uh, in this Sunday, actually. So so who's
1: favourite, Ralph? I just out of curiosity, early
0: favourite. In secret, the filly of uh, of um, James Cummings that obviously was, uh, oh, right. was okay. so dynamic um, was so dynamic when uh, when she won the Coolmore up the straight. So she's going to run this Saturday in the Surround. Yep. Yeah, March 11 is the next one. They're both $4 favourite and Imperatries, the Kiwi and Private Eye, next best. So right. a giga kick. I don't know if any or all of them are running, but we're in for a cracking race. Right. So something to look forward to there. The other, actually, I should also put on the table from that race, Vince, that... You know, we, we sort of, once we were spitballing doing this, uh, doing the preview podcast, we came up with bonus nachos that the trials are saying grand final day's new market. Now, unfortunately, I wish I was exploded, but you've got to say they've got this horse on point to run to his very best in the new market
1: beautiful, I mean early speed about a length in, a length and a half in front of, I wish I went through the first section it's only a couple of hundred metres of course, between the 8 and the 400 metres, still showing a little bit more aggressiveness about how far above the benchmark it was almost a length above it but then of course when you get to that last 400 metres The the, the good sign is this Spawner of notch has really maintained its acceleration all the way through. Like, actually, the last 200 metres was just slightly quicker than the forward of the two by about 0.2. I just got the same. And that's pretty clear cut that they got this horse, like, super peaked in terms of performance, which is fantastic. And, um, yeah, but I'm just sitting back here, Ralphie, and saying, well... I wish I would improved like almost three lengths from the four to the two and then proved another improved another half length over the last four 200 metres. It's just
0: incredible, incredible. <laughs> so to look forward to. Uh, race five of the program, you were sad after lightning. I, I, think, you, I think you would have been pretty happy because you were shoulders back on two horses, uh, Nature Strip and Ana Visto. And I think Ana Visto just got the photo. Congratulations to the uh, to S4 wrestling champ, Joe Watson, who's in this.
1: Oh, Ralphie! This was the race. Well, here it is, 4.5 above, best of the day. We said it was a great trial, but,
0: oh, they've just brought this horse back. This, this has turned up airborne. So just, just to butt in here, I, the, the, uh, maybe there's another one, but the most recent time I can remember that a best of the day wasn't the group one was in August, Caulfield, when it was Memzy Stakes and you know who best, of the day was. I wish I win. Yeah, <laughs> so, so that gives you an indication of what you have to do to beat beat a Group One.
1: Yeah, it's it it is unbelievable. Returned in sensational fashion. There was great pressure up front, and it really was those two horses. Generally speaking, when they put that sort of pressure on up front, you do find that they're going to be sitting ducks. And the power is this: Adam misto outsmarted it through the first. 600 meters going almost 0.8 of a length faster in the mid race they were virtually identical in terms of how far above the benchmark but then you know rode right to ataki a weakened and any horse is entitled to weaken off that pressure right continuously especially when you're fresh yeah but this horse went on with it and only dropped off probably half a length the last 200 meters but i'm gauging the overall last 400 meters because of the to sustain speed through the first 700 metres, the horse probably, I'm just looking at this here now, it's about 1.2 lengths of overall uh, race conditioning that it's uh, tanked out by, even though they're all above benchmark. And so i have just sort of look at that to give myself some clarity around what could I expect potentially this horse to do into the future and can this horse improve at all any further. Well, I bet one part of me says, no, no, that's like booming run. That's going to win a lot of races anyway. But the weird thing is this. We know mares, Ralphie, from our history of analysing the older mares, they can improve. And I'm sitting back here and said, yeah, well, you have improved. About one and three quarter lengths, and there might still be half a length to a length left.
0: Yeah. Well, if you get into plus five, plus six, that's borderline Doncaster.
1: Oh, well, that's it. This is this is where the horse is trending to that level. And the stable, whatever they've done, unbelievable. They've uh, definitely got this horse on fire.
0: I, you know, it's funny post-race, but I thought the tactics on uh, road to Otaki was fantastic. It's good to see him in a race. And by that, I mean, you know, they knew they had the, the race fitness edge over a horse with probably more class and they took it up to him. They wanted to find out, well, she's ended up with a PB as well. Yeah, she did, and
1: um, it's, it is a bit interesting, I have to say, because the horse never gone near that speed. Yeah, right. So if we just, you know, just playing the game real, it's like three to four lengths faster than ever before. But as you rightly pointed out, Ralphie, horse is at its top of its game in terms of fitness. And I feel personally the horse absolutely appreciated clean ground because if you if you look at this particular horse, other than one run where I could genuinely say it was like on rock-solid G3, it's only had one attempt in probably the last seven or eight starts other than a barrier trial, or we have to go all the way back to March last year where it had one opportunity on clean ground. So this is also a sign how much the horse appreciated the quicker ground and reconfirming a lot of horses love quicker ground, Ralphie. It's
0: not true that all horses like wet ground or some giving the ground. No, it's absolutely <laughs> the further is from the truth. I've got a feeling talented athletes like running fast. Oh, they do! <laughs> Look, they might feel a
1: bit tired after the
0: event, but That's once it. they
1: get over that, they're just going to be like you know,
0: tenacious bulls. So we we discussed with Anavisto. We didn't expect the floor, You're going to be you were very bullish on her, but if the, if there was a horse to take it up to, it was going to be Exolita, and then the barriers open and Vince, your chaos theory kicked in. This was a remarkable run, all the same.
1: Oh, it was a big run. It, it was huge. The mid race squeeze was a monster. Coming off six point, I, I mean, it was. Fantastic in the sense that they still allowed the horse to find its feet through that critical first 5, 600, and then really asked for the big effort. And the surge mid-race was outstanding. The last 400 metres, when you look at it on how far above benchmark, it's only three-quarters of a length behind, I wish I win. Now, yep. we have to say, though, we've got to <laughs> preface it by, there's a different early speed, yep. which allows you to run much bigger late. I mean, that that's a fact. But this horse just got stronger and stronger, built through... Each of the sections in a pretty dynamic fashion and just, yeah, top performance, plus one. But we've got to remember though, Ralphie, it's still plus one compared to plus 4.5. I'm confident to say even if this horse didn't miss the stars, it wasn't going to beat it.
0: Not off no, that. No, I'm referring to it would have run second. And, and yes. what we've got now is if she stays in Melbourne, there's a there's a race for it because Anna Vista is going to Sydney against the best.
1: Right. Okay. Well. Yeah. No. No. No doubt about I that. I'm only talking about
0: our pocket bits, Nothing else. We don't care yep,
1: about it anyway. Yep. And <laughs> it was big, big lift too for one run to the other as well, which is fantastic. And it's it's trending.
0: I would say it's absolutely trending to last prepper plus one point nine, Ralphie. Uh, and and the third of the horses that you were keen on, but this one you said, look, it'll pro- probably be a degrade bet because, but you know, there's so many things need to go right with it. But it was twenty to one. Biometric ran a huge second to Scalapini. Well, let's let's put in context again how these great jockeys can judge speed. So Scalapini was leading and leading fast. He would have been leading Anivisto, so that's apples to apples because yes. we talked about Fleming and 1,400 on the day. His first 600 was faster. But I heard Damien Lane post-race saying, no, I was happy with the speed we were going. This is a high-cruising speed horse. So this is a jockey that understands his animal.
1: Yeah, he really did, and, and the reality was you had a couple of horses that were sort of really reaching in terms of that first section going around that plus four range. There was uh, Milton Park 3.3, and then there was a big gap, like the next uh, real real speed was around plus 1.4, so that that's the pace to take it off. Yep. And, yeah, so it was good all the way around in terms of uh, the nature of the tempo, and this particular horse, one length below benchmark first section, yeah, he's just such a great great rider, and that's a perfect position to be in. The mid-race move wasn't over the top. It was pretty much uh, measured. I felt like he, he moved between the 8 and the 400. The acceleration was uh, roughly 2.6, and then the last 400 metres, plus 3.1, uh, slightly behind, like, the best sort of 400-metre sprint that it can do, but given the, the early speed and the way it finished off, full of merit. Uh, you know, Scolopini, it was always a horse that was dangerous too, wasn't it, Ralphie? I mean.
0: Yeah.
1: It's got talent and there it is, two point one, and just couldn't quite reel it in. <laughs> you would have had a bit of a barrack at that price, Vince. Uh well, you can't complain. I mean, I, I you know, have to be can I never ended up uh, backing the horse myself okay. personally. Yeah. But of course, it was entertained. But I it was one of those days, Ralphie, for me on a personal note, between Melbourne and Sydney, I had a full book and I was actually had to because like everything, people talk about money management, and a lot of people like to say your money managers is based on the percentages of your bank. For me, I just like to operate just with a set number of units in a day, and it, and I don't, and I also have like a maximum number of bets is like eight. That's the most I can do. But I was struggling to have seven bets with the maximum units, and therefore I had to downgrade a lot of the bets and omit certain horses because I I just you know I I don't like to have 10 12 bets because if you just look at the law of nature it's going to work against you and like I always say I'm not that smart so I like to keep all things intact you know the mathematical algorithms to say you know this is the law of averages I like to work with that if I can and be real to yourself and not be in a situation say ah stuff for today I'll just increase my bank by 20 or 30 units which is you know not very smart
0: Uh, I'll I'll ask you one more from that race, eight because Daytona Bay, and again, this is what we said, so we're not doing Smart Alex on on a Monday, but this was a new challenge for the horse to have to go fast on a good track. Now, it was an unknown, yeah, obvious respect for Moody Carr, but this was an unknown for this horse, and he he couldn't cope with the extra pressure here. Well...
1: We we, we could look at it from that angle and say couldn't cope with the pressure, but I felt that the mid-race move, with the exception of a couple of horses, Ralphie, was like solid because the average of the field in terms of the move in the mid-race, this is how far you're travelling above benchmark, was around one7 Yep. And Daytona Bar was going 1.9. So it's slightly above the average of the field, right? And then there was a couple of standout horses, like Not an Option, who was excessively over that. And then you have a horse on the flip it, flip side, like, let's say, Scholar Beating, which was excessively under that. So I just say that that was pretty good in terms of what it had to do and keep its momentum flow in the right way. Now, of course, we look back and say, what, you know, the, the drop off late, I'm, I'm putting it down to this, Ralphie. It tanked out with about a 0.6 below benchmark last 200 meters. Overall, I'm looking at the last 400 meters, saying you've dropped about 1.9 lengths of velocity. There's definitely conditioning, but if you look at the first up run, Ralphie, I mean the horse. If I look at the last 800, uh, last 400 meters of that day, the horse dropped oh, about two and a half lengths. So it is, it is improving. No question. Then I look at the last 200 meters. So maybe a bit of a conditioning is what I'm trying to point out, Ralphie. Uh, Improvement to come from the run
0: sure but the the, the challenge was on the day <laughs> Yeah, was, we tried to try to warn that there was a, it was a new dynamic for it so he's yeah. uh, he's come through that run let's see what happens going forward exactly and, uh, another one uh, and this is actually a theme because we can cross over to Rose Hill uh, after this this run that I'll ask you about and we'll, what we'll do with the three-year-olds there's some very good performances we're going to do this as the bonus podcast I'll, I'll have a look at the three- year-olds from Flemington so our group one members will get uh, we'll get a good chat looking forward to the Australian guineas uh, and our bonus Bonus podcast. So, if you're a Group One member, you'll receive it. If you want to become a Group One member, well, via the link on my website, via the podcast link, and you can click through. And if you're a Group One member, you will get the bonus podcast each and every week. And this week, we'll look at the three odds. We'll also look at the silver slipper and, uh, and a couple of nice trials at Rosehill last Monday. But in that last race, Vince, uh, I'm going to ask you about peak runs, flat runs, because it's always a it's always a challenge. And Jungle Gym, really, really fast, exploded to a PB at Sale. Uh, do you reckon he overdid it on Sunday?
1: <laughs> well, this is the excitement, right? Oh, horse obviously must have, been, must have been feeling really, really good. But, that, yeah, you're right, 4.5. When it's gone that sort of speed in the past, of course, you know, maybe with a high mid-race, the horse does tend to tie up. Yep. And tying up it did. It's done that on three occasions now. First up, run at Pakenham, 4.3 first section. 1.1 between the 8 and the 400 and then went 6.1 below last 400. Of course, it was first up, conditioning, all those things, but the horse still tied up because it was pretty much gone before it got inside the 400 that day. Like at the 500 metre mark that day, the horse was up. And generally speaking, for a first up run in that type of race, you at 1,200, you wouldn't feel you would be already gone at the halfway
0: mark is what I'm trying to say. But here, yep, yeah, the 4.4, Real quick, so that's just to back the truck up on that one, Vince. That, that that's off a standing start, four point four lengths above benchmark. First four hundred. That's that's yep. new market tempo.
1: Yeah, it is. It really is, and it's 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 tough pressure. And they they weren't relenting. This was the thing in the mid race. The pace from the majority of horses increased uh, for a few reasons. Number one, they. Um, probably took a little bit more of a breather through that first section. But the, the other horse, Red Hot Nick, wasn't too far behind Jungle Gym, so that's my real yardstick. Yeah. came to be better, but the drop-off was too big last 400, roughly. I mean, 16.2. Generally speaking, when that's that big a drop-off, something's not right, but I don't know if there was anything in the stewards or not. But he, you could see when I was watching the race, because I had some money on this horse that he, you know, like I went this way instead of Jumbuck, and, of course, was I crying? I was because I knew the horse was done. He, he was done.
0: And, and as far as the Jumbuck's concerned, now, when he beat Jungle Jim and Jungle Jim ran second to him that day, uh, Blake Shin took it up to him early. On this occasion, he's sitting back. And you're thinking, why is he sitting back? Well, that's why. The mar- the data sh- uh, absolutely shows that Jungle Jim was going too fast. So, again, just want to underline that, that the numbers match up with the, the ability of these riders. They can judge tempo. Yeah, it's
1: that's it and that's super smart I mean too smart I mean 0.9 above that's like in in line with what it did first up beautiful nice and measured and even in the mid-race it was very similar The horse also tanked out a little bit over the last 200 meters that's just the nature of the overall structure of the race and also giving clear indications that this horse is going to
0: improve off that run maybe more than some of the others Rose Hill to play fast Vince uh, how, are you, how do you assess the way it played Rose Hill, wow, what a day that was as
1: well. It was funny in the morning. I was looking at the weather. Okay, is this true? There's possible thunderstorms. And I go, nah, no chance. But they did come, but they missed the track, which was fantastic. Overall, genuine rock solid G4, G3 range, Ralphie. Couldn't have got it any better.
0: Right, so the the, uh, the the curator got it right. Yep. I don't know. I don't know if uh, I'm not talking about his, his rides, but I reckon Tim Clark would have been hoping for a few on the day, given his rides were four forty seven dollars, a dollar sixty, eleven dollars, a dollar eighty, fifteen dollars, two sixty, a dollar eighty five, and he ended up with a uh, Krispy Kreme special. He got a donut for the day, so he's had a tough day at the office, Tim Clark, and probably one of them was uh, was Maria Mia. Odds on in race six in the uh, Millie Fox. Um, what uh, what was your assessment of uh, what happened there
1: yeah well i'll come back to um that you know obviously we, are we going to be covering race seven on the other podcast yep. oh not right you know the three-year-old race here we're going to cover that in the other podcast is that right uh, we'll, co- we'll cover that here oh yep. okay so we'll come yep. to that because one of the things that i wanted to point out just because i want to touch on that theme i was on that sky sports radio last friday ralphie at around ten thirty. we had a bit of a breakout on this particular race and what i did you know, it's just one of those things. I didn't pre-plan it or anything like that. She was just weighing up the two riders, Brent Abdullah and Tim Clark. And one of the things that I said is that if you had to look at a go-forward motion by both riders, Brent Abdallah was Abdallah is generally speaking a, a superior rider to Tim Clark on a go-forward scenario. But I, I made it pretty clear because Aft Cabin was drawn very awkwardly. And I said, well if he goes forward and wants to tempt, you know, I didn't actually say actually wants to lead, but I said, if he goes in a forward motion, he's probably not going to be as good as Breton in terms of managing the speed. Cause he was on, I think it was uh zoo tiger or whatever it was. Oh,
0: well, let's talk about the Hobart yeah. bill. Yeah. This is a cabin. Yep.
1: yeah. And basically what happened then, Ralphie, I said, well, I'm assuming that the horse has got two options. either going to go back or try and slide in mid race. As soon as I seen the horse go to the front and now mind you, I never backed the horse or anything like that. This is Af cabin. I made it. I go to, well, he's gone. Yes. There's just no way he's going to be able to manage the speed in the right way. And Brenton, phenomenal. You see, he's just evolved so much. He did decide to sit because they were really rolling at a, at a very uh, fast tempo. And this brought Tim Clark undone and the horse, in my view, right? 3.6 above. And in, instead, where he should have been, was where Zoo Tiger was, but he, he was in go forward. He was probably going to be, get caught. He didn't yep. have any option, but he, he could have had the option maybe to slot him behind it and chose not to and take the tag on Zoo Tiger and, and leave his best skill to late, right? And Tim's usually very, very good when he can take a sit. And he, he outsmarted himself personally. Maybe he thought the horse was going to be simply too good because riders sometimes, they all look at the prices, right? Yeah, and they have two mindsets. And I've, over the years, when I've spoken to riders, they all say the same thing: "Right, oh, I'm on 50s chance, no I hope." Well, that's it. It's a mental pre-race process. You're not a bookmaker; you shouldn't be thinking that way. And the same thing, you know, if they're on a short price horse, they just technically feel they're going to be too good, and and you know, rightfully so in a lot of cases, by the way. But that also can undo the way you're going to handle yourself in a race. And this was. Uh, Clearly, in my view, a misjudgment
0: on the tactics. So Brody has asked one of our members, Hi, lads. Would love your thoughts on the run of AF Cabin. Do you feel they've sent him out hard to toughen him up for the high-pressure mile next start or just a flat run second up? So he certainly wasn't flat given that speed, Vince, but maybe from going forward in all round with guineas off this fast tempo with a sit, there's uh, probably every chance for a, for a V-shaped rebound.
1: Yeah, possibly. But one of the other things that I also said in that, communication on the show there Ralphie was that, you know, you've got to watch out for the winner.
0: Osipenko, Yeah. Yeah. Well in your race speed profiles is what you wrote on Saturday morning via daily sectionals. Goodwin returning at Randwick 14 days back over 1200, posting a 23rd best of the day, 1.8 below. There are snippets through several of his historical runs that he's a runner with genuine potential to this stage. Repetitive performances on wet ground may have potentially masked his IVR profile at this point as a, historical PB of 0.5 below, produced on that da- ba- debut. He looks primed to surpass that. He can feature in the finish. warrants respect. Vince, it's been such a theme. There's been so many horses through 2022 with only wet track form from New South Wales, so he got a chance on clean ground.
1: Yeah, and so th- what, why I want to point that out is like, because you, you made a, well, it's a ballad about the communication about toughening a horse up. Well, this horse improved from race to race about six and a half lengths in early speed, right? Yep. And then when we look at, the improvement of speed from Aft Cabin, the reality was this horse also improved about the same amount, around 6.4 lengths. So they both improved about the same amount. Of course, it was done in a slightly different fashion. You have to give more credit to how far above benchmark you've gone as well. It will have more of an impact on your aerobic structure. And yeah, if that's the case, and this is where they're at, then I get all that, and that all makes sense. But um, at the same time, uh, we've got to still remember this, Ralphie. It is a six, 1600 metre race, and that can bring new dynamic scenarios into it. And I'm, I'm just sort of sitting here thinking about all that and asking myself the question, okay, what does that all mean? How much better will you be getting out to 1600 or will you just be able to maintain your line? So, yeah, it's, it's interesting. And wet or dry is
0: going to be the query as well, of course. Oh, do you, yeah,
1: do you feel there might be a chance of a wet track? <laughs> oh, who knows, but it's Sydney. Oh, all right, <laughs> so yeah, there true, you go. true, very um, true. Sorry, I've got,
0: Rob, I've, I've got to put the reverse uh, bligger on right here, Vince, because I missed a question here from Carl, which is it's a good one. I read this morning Ana Visto going straight to the Cornwall at Rose Hill in three weeks' time. J Carr's comments, hope she's not flat second up as we're going to a group one in three weeks' time. Anything in the data to suggest this is a concern or is three weeks enough of a break?
1: Generally speaking, three weeks is fine. Yep. When they have long breaks, and this horse did end was a long break, you know, trial very well, and then put in a big performance. It could be, well, there's probably a big chance that you're definitely going to lose some speed. All I've learned over the years is I've seen some of the, you know, you know, Waller's usually the best yardstick for this. There are a couple of other trainers as well, but Waller in particular, they tend to back up with the trial pretty quickly. Yep. Usually seven to 10 days after the race and then go into the big race to make sure that they're not only overcome their flatness in a, in a barrier trial because you've got to still run slightly different than just a little jump out at home, you know, on your own or just with one other horse and potentially have your horse like spot on and overcoming all the flatness scenarios. So it should be fine, but it'll just be interesting to see how they treat the horse. And, oh, that's a big surprise going back to 1,200. Wow, really? Is that what <laughs> they're doing? Is that what they're doing, Ralphie? They're going oh, back- sorry,
0: with Anavista? Yeah. No, 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 more. 1,500. Oh, 15, oh so,
1: yeah, 1,500. Yeah, 1,500. Yeah, for sure. No problems at all. Yeah. Uh, I, You know,
0: I'm confident that uh, with a bit of luck, the horse should be right. It'd just be interested if they just get a little jump out in between. Beautiful. All right, and uh, let's go back and finish off with the Millie Fox because uh, this, this was Tim Clark's quote afterwards with Maria Mia. From where she drew, we had to follow expat across. She was chasing a really hot speed, just was near her top for too long. It took away that short... Short, sharp sprint she does have with your race speed profiles on Saturday morning. You, you, you mentioned about an electric girl, uh, both electric girl, Caitlin was the other one, possessed favourable OVR profiles to be considered as key players in a race of this nature. You did obviously have Maria Mira on top off such a big run. What was your takeaway from the race afterwards? Well, interesting. I was having
1: a discussion with one of the boys internally about this particular race and, you know, with the experience of life. You learn certain things, and everything on the surface just looked like Maria Me was way too good, and it was just really on a, on, on the basis on how we're going to communicate the race speed profile. But I said, but it, let's just look at it from another side, right? And I, I wanted to look at it this way for one reason: when you look at the breakdown of Maria Mears' last start run. Two lengths above benchmark first section, 3.9 between the eight and the four, 2.3 overall last 400. That's a total combined 8.3 lengths above benchmark. That is in that flat range territory, right? Yep. Just high sustained speed from start to zero. It is 21 days, right? But that can take a little bit of their speed out of them. And I said, let's play the devil's advocate here and say, let's just say this horse doesn't turn up. What are we left with? And who are the genuine winning chances? And Electric Girl was one that just jumped out straight away as this would be a high possibility of winning. And sort of there's a little caption in there that articulated that in the race speed profile. So no surprise to see the performance of this horse. And this was a fantastic performance as well, Ralphie. It was good pressure between the eight and the 400 meters It actually increased its pace, but not in a a serious way. It was around 2.2 where some other horses who just got too far out of their ground and didn't sort of track that speed a bit better, had to make too much of an overreach in the mid race and therefore give themselves no chance. And expat was the, probably the, the real powerful run because that went fast all the way and only tanked out right over the last uh, two to
0: 400 metres. Whereas conversely, Roots was a terrific return as well. So it looks like a pretty pretty strong race there. What we'll do, we'll break all them down in our Sizzlers, and, uh, which is the black book product that we do, which includes uh, your IVR report. Uh, Vince, really appreciate people listening to this. If they want to get our preview podcast, like I said, we're going to have a deep dive into Blue Diamond Day uh, this Friday. Can't wait for that. So that's via racetrackrelfie.com.au. And if you're a Group 1 member, we're going to do a little bonus and have a look at the Silver Slipper, one by Cylinder. And we'll also have a look at uh, a couple of big three-year-old performances at Flemington. In the meantime, thanks for listening to Year Round Carnival.